This will not be our only crisis. And in the spirit of not letting a, a crisis go to waste, I think it, it, it behooves our institutions, our language centers, our faculty to start thinking seriously about contingent instruction and what that looks like and creating policies and creating processes and making sure that if this switch needs to be flipped again, that we aren't complacent. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Andrew Ross, head of the Language Center at Harvard University, joins us to discuss the role of the Language Center in times of remote instruction. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager, as we are continuing our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a virtual space, we are delighted to welcome Andrew Ross to our podcast. Andrew is the director of the Language Center at Harvard University, and we will talk about the role of the Language Center in supporting teachers and students in these new and interesting times. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Andrew. Thanks. It's a, it's, it's a delight to be here. I, I really appreciate the invitation. Oh, and we appreciate you making the time right now. Um, I think language centers are somewhat in, in hyperdrive. Um, a lot of the work that language centers do in supporting language teachers and learners already is very tech-focused. So I know that a lot of your instructional staff has been leaning heavily on you. Um, and so that's actually something that we'd like to talk about today. What has your experience been? Um, what are some of the pieces of advice that you have? But before we do that, please tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do. So um, I'm relatively new to Harvard. Uh, I've been in my current position for about a year. I came from the universe, uh, from Arizona State University, where I was for nine years. Before that, I was the director of the uh, Language Resource Center at Brown University for seven years, and before that, at the University of Richmond for five. Hmm. Um, like many people in my generation, I'm a bit of an accidental technologist. <laughs> um, I am a, a, a medievalist by training. Uh, I got my doctorate from the University of California at Berkeley in 1998, uh, but I spent two terrific years um, at the Berkeley Language Center, hmm. uh, learning how to code, uh, doing some work on developing early multimedia and early uh, computer-mediated communication environments, um, taught a number of pilot courses at Berkeley that use technology in interesting ways, uh, and then ended up at um, the Mellon Foundation's Project 2001 at Middlebury in 1997, which was the first cohort of people through there. Hmm. And that was uh, an amazing experience. It was um, three weeks, I think, of day-long sort of technology and pedagogy training, and you developed your own projects. And uh, it was really a catalyst for everything that's kind of come after that. Nice. That's that's quite the experience. Wow. Well, it's something actually, it's something I've been thinking about trying to reproduce. Uh, the 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 project ended a while back, huh. but I think there's an enormous need uh, to to train graduate students, yeah. sometimes in very intensive ways, 
uh, to be able to take on these new roles. Yeah. What has your experience been these last few weeks at the Language Center as everyone shifts uh, somewhat suddenly to remote teaching? Sure. Well, it, it's certainly been interesting, and I think that's probably an adjective that's getting overused uh, in 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 this current situation. It's it's um, friendlier than than terrifying, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, typically, d- d- depending on intonation. Um, <laughs> so we started thinking about this uh, really almost a month ago. Hmm. Um, it it was clear to us early on that this was something that was going to impact instruction. And yeah. so the first thing that we did was start to reach out to faculty members um, to inform them that we thought that this was going to lead to remote instruction becoming a necessity for us. Um, I think they responded pretty well. Uh, you know, this is a very off-brand moment for Harvard Mm. in certain ways. Sure. Um, We teach 80 languages. Uh, We tend to be very small, um, small N. We have small classes Mm -hmm. in many of those. Um, And we're very high touch uh, with respect to our students there. That's, that's the, that's the experience that we have cultivated over many years and the one that we want to deliver. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is an entirely different approach yeah. uh, to what we have traditionally done. Um, so our first move really, one of our first moves really came in concert with IELT, the International Association for Language Learning Technology, which Angelica will be will, will be ably taking over next year. <laughs> well, well, let's hope so. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> After you have done tremendous work as the current president, let's I'll just hand point you that a, out. I'll hand you a smoking crater. <laughs> um, so we we decided at IELT uh, and Shannon Spasova uh, at Michigan State is is has played a really big role in all yep. of this. We decided that we needed to do some webinars quickly uh, with people who had experience in distance learning um, and that we needed to make the distinction early on between remote instruction and online teaching and learning. Um, I don't think anybody uh, who does not already have an online program should be kidding themselves about what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, And I think that's an important message for upper administration as well, Mm -hmm. that, you know, this, these are exceptional circumstances. Um, The kinds of, of interventions, uh, the kinds of teaching, the kinds of interaction that, that we can uh, provide to our students in this instance, is not online learning no. uh, in, in, in any sort of considered sense of the word. Yep. So there was a bit of expectation setting. Um, we did, we hosted the first couple of webinars. Uh, we did our own webinar. So we had a, a, a Q&A before everybody left for spring break. Hmm. So mm-hmm. this, is our, this is our first week of instruction after spring break. 
Okay. And, and how, what have you heard? Are people semi-comfortable in this environment? Are they, are they making do? So far, things seem to be going pretty well. That's great. Um, yeah. Again, I think a lot of that is thanks to the, 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 the small enrollments sure. uh, in our courses. Uh, it makes it significantly easier to use synchronous methods to teach rather mm-hmm. than trying to build out something that is um, you know, asynchronous and, in, and, and a whole new structure for the students. Yeah. Um, so we've provided a number of trainings. Uh, we have... I, I've, I'm just putting together now uh, a course management system instance, uh, uh, essentially a Canvas organizational site that will allow faculty members to share back and forth. Mm. Um, That's nice. And to to create materials, but also to have discussions in the same way that their students are oh, having cool. discussions. Yeah, that's a great idea, replicating the experience for yeah. them from the learner's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, you know, I think I've always been an advocate of eating one's own dog food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, there, there's another piece to this, though, too. Um, our faculty are being absolutely inundated with new information yeah. on it on, on a daily basis. Yeah. And they find it really hard to process. Mm-hmm. So we're being very conservative about the kinds of new technologies that we suggest and introduce. Yes. We want them to squeeze all the juice out of what they're already familiar with. Correct. Uh, you know, before adding new elements in that neither they nor their students have had a lot of time to mm-hmm. practice with. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's something that we stress here too. Now is really not the time to try out all these cool, fun, and engaging tools. Um, yeah. So, if you had to give one piece of advice to our instructors here at Cornell, because we haven't started teaching yet, what would be the number one thing that you think people need to consider as they move into this remote instruction? And I'm sure there's 200 things that people need to consider, but sure. is there, are there one or two things that you think are of utmost importance to consider? I think the very first thing in all of this is consider the students. Hmm. Um, we have spent, I think, collectively, a lot of attention on preparing faculty yes. to, to work in this environment. Yep. I think more attention needs to be paid to making sure that students are, mm-hmm. are prepared mm-hmm. uh, to learn uh, in, in this particular situation. I think it's important that we set expectations ahead of time. I mean, there are a lot of things that go on in the classroom that are, um, you know, sous-entendu or they're, or they're shorthand, right? We we can look at a face and and tell by the blankness of expression that they haven't gotten what's come out <laughs> yeah, of our mouths. Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you do that? How do mm-hmm. you check for understanding? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are there are a number of techniques and approaches that we can take from online learning, even though that's not what what we're doing. So we're we've we've done things like um, we we put together a uh, COVID nineteen remote instruction page on our website that has tabs for um, 
asynchronous instruction, general resources, synchronous instruction, and for students. Nice. And we're we're recommending highly that our faculty communicate those links, mm -hmm. particularly the student link, yep. uh, to their students. Because there's a lot of anxiety going on right now. Mm -hmm. yes. um, the the semi-level playing field that that obtains on a college campus no longer obtains. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're we're sending students back to Ghana. Yeah, uh, sure. And expecting them to continue their education, uh, you know, in a way that's that that they would have uh, were they in Cambridge, and I, mm -hmm. I, that's just simply not realistic. Yep. Yep. I think, I think the other thing too is to adjust your expectations, mm -hmm. at yes. least for at least for the these next five weeks. Yep. We have we have five weeks of instruction left. Um, what are the what are the elements of the course that are the most important? Uh, you know, what are what's the what are the nice to haves that we could think about eliding mm -hmm. maybe or having students do on their own? Um, you know, we understand that all curriculum is precious, uh, but at least in this particular environment, I think there are going to be have to be choices made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, those are those are some great pieces of advice, and this is actually I I can't agree with you more that I think we've all focused so much on the instructional side of the coin, and that's something that locally here we are now um, switching to to focus more on what can we do to prepare the students because again we're still in the fortunate situation where we haven't started instruction, so we are yeah. ramping our resources for students on our website right now too. Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely send them your way too to check out the resources that you have created. Yeah, please do. I mean, they're 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 relatively simple. Uh, you can hit our website at language.fas.harvard.edu, um, and we're going to be building those out. I mean, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. So at this point, we're getting new guidance essentially every other day. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so as we as we get more guidance, we'll be. We'll be adding new new materials mm -hmm. in. We'll be changing things. Actually, our we have a, a class called um, Romance Languages 220, which is a methodology course taught by my colleague Nicole Mills. Mm -hmm. And they're going to the students are actually going to be looking at the site and then tracing sort of the theoretical underpinnings of the suggestions that we're making for oh how cool for instruction yeah. Yeah, it's, nice. it's 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 kind of an inspired idea. But yeah, there, totally. Yeah. But but there are ways to there are ways to involve graduate students who may be teaching methodology courses. Mm -hmm. This is something that I mean. This will not be our only crisis. Correct. And uh, in the spirit of not letting a, a crisis go to waste. I think it, it it behooves our institutions, our language centers, our faculty to start thinking seriously about contingent instruction mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Yeah. And creating policies and creating processes and making sure that if this switch needs to be flipped again, that we we aren't um, we aren't complacent. Mm -hmm. about things just sort of falling into place. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there is still, 
this notion that that there is such a thing as a digital native. Mm-hmm. And that's pernicious, especially yeah. right now. Um, you know, our students are fantastic consumers mm-hmm. of social media. Um, they're they're facile researchers of things online that can be found through Google. Maybe not so much in other situations. <laughs> um, but we can't we can't take it for granted that they understand how to learn in yes. this environment, and yes. yet they will. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be something that will happen periodically. Mm. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's 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 the new normal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what what are a few things that you can recommend for students? What action can they take uh, to prepare themselves and to uh, to engage more readily with uh, this new environment? Sure. So I think the first thing and one of the most difficult things for students to do in this kind of environment is to practice good time management, mm-hmm. right? Um, many deadlines have been pushed to once a week um, for a number of different reasons, right? Either they already always existed as a once a week deadline, um, but I think we're all aware of the student tendency to defer working with material until the last minute. So <laughs> I put that as gently as I possibly could. Um, so I think one of the things that, that we need to do is to make sure that students are at least looking at material every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we are going to need to chunk down uh, lectures if that's our approach. Uh, we should be pre-recording, um, you know, the, the kinds of grammar explanations. Anything that we can, anything that we can preload for them, we should be preloading for them. That said, uh, we need to set clear expectations on their time, um, and I think it's also crucial for them to, if they if they can. To create a, a, a workspace, you know, a, a home office just like the rest of us. Um, they need to do simple things like print out the week's calendar and post it above their workstation where they can see it. They need to sign up for whatever app links to the, um, the course management system that the institution is using. Um, we need to understand that some of them may not have uh, ready access to a computer all the time. So a smartphone as a backup device for them, a way for them to interact is going to be really important. The other thing that I would suggest for students is being proactive. That's another really hard thing for, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. Um, Faculty members can be, you know, a little intimidating to deal with. Nobody will go to office hours except under duress or, yeah. you know. Um, so we need to encourage them and keep open lines of communication. And they need mm-hmm. to take advantage of them. Yeah. Um, 
One of the other things that that faculty members can do, and I think probably should do, um, if they are heavily invested in a learning management system, uh, to the extent that they've put assignments and quizzes and uh, interactions and discussions on it, is to use the analytical tools in the course management system to track student engagement. Yes. Some of these, some of the platforms are better than others, um, but that can serve as an early warning system mm-hmm. for students who may be coming less engaged, uh, who may not be performing up to yep. their usual standards. Um, I think those are most of the most of the things that I would counsel students to and faculty members to do. Great. I think one other one other final thing though is that in this situation, we all need to be kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to adjust our expectations of our own performance at least a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, t-shirt and bunny slippers every day on the couch. <laughs> but what? But but what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but understand that we are all going through something that is, you know, that hasn't happened really since 1918. No. And we need to be cognizant that our students are experiencing the same kinds of anxiety, mm-hmm. the same kind of fear, the same kind of frustration. And, you know, it's okay to let them know that that we're in that situation too. I'm I'm curious uh as far as the specific role of a language center in all of this uh, when yeah. campus wide there are all these units and departments all trying to prepare and be helpful and assist with with this transition um what do you see the role of the language center as compared to uh the IT department or or another uh, another unit on campus that's focused on technology or or instruction management. Uh, what's what's the niche that that you found you can most helpfully occupy during a time like this? Sure. So I'm a big believer in contextual instructional support, which is to say that language teaching and learning is fundamentally different mm-hmm. uh, than, say, knowledge transfer courses or other kinds of curriculum, which generalists uh, in academic technologies or um, instructional technologies uh, at campuses are typically very well prepared to deal with, right? They understand what lecture capture looks like. They understand how to set up uh, a, a course management system shell. Yeah. Um, they, they're very good at dealing with those things that are sort of the the commonplaces. And this is not to denigrate the work that they're doing um, because it's really important and and often difficult and, and serious work. Language teaching is a different thing. And that's why language centers exist such as they exist at other institutions because there's there's been an understanding that language faculty need different kinds of support, that that support 
looks different than um, a chemistry lecture or a history course. And so I think that's that's the role that we are not playing anew, but we are continuing to play, right, uh, at, at our various institutions. Um, it's going to be difficult for language centers who have sort of focused on a a model that that privileges physical space mm-hmm. right now. I mean, we've got a lot of of you know folks out there who are running uh, language centers that have a single staff member, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of um, sort of informal learning opportunities, social events. Yeah, they hold classes. They work one on one with. Um, students and with faculty, um, those centers, depending on how long this lasts, are going to need to rethink how much of what they deliver is virtual and how much is, uh, you know, a space uh, that's that's programmatic in mm-hmm. certain ways. Mm-hmm. I think that at most of our institutions, administration is now if they haven't already realizing the value of a language center Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and this is an opportunity for us um as a profession uh you know as an academic support unit or an academic unit however it's defined on your campus i think this is an opportunity for us to demonstrate our value in ways that um, are distinct from sort of the, the the day-to-day that you know most of us uh, most of us deal with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Does that does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Well, Andrew, before we sign off here, we would like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language that you speak that you are learning, that you want to learn with us. What is that word? You know, it's a word that I found coming out of my mouth a lot when I was traveling in Germany uh, <laughs> last year with, with, with my, my youngest daughter. And it's this sort of af- affirmation. The word is genau. Oh, yeah. It's, it's this... I hear you. I see mm-hmm. you. I understand you. Absolutely. So I think at the moment, that's kind of my favorite word. I like it. I use that a lot, actually. So it's, it's a great word. Genau. Next week, we will continue our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in virtual space. Until then, Auf Wiedersehen. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. 
As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.